Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Doing our show from our home studio. Again, great to be um, back. I'm so glad to be back from our little adventures over Christmas and New Year break and back to be doing shows. Today on America Can We Talk, we're going to talk about Diamond of Diamond and Silk, Mourned, uh, Damar is Healing, McCarthy Deal is Stirring Up D.C., Shiftless is Out, which I just love, Adam Shiftless, um, IRS, etc. Lots of great news out of Washington. Uh, the Biden border photo op and Biden VP classified classified vice presidential documents and unsecured, unsecured uh, found in a Biden location. Uh, and more talk about that compared with Trump and Mar-a-Lago. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. I'm Debbie George Addis. Most of you likely heard that Diamond of the famous, wonderful, entertaining uh, duo, Diamond and Silk. Diamond passed away yesterday at the very young age of 51. Uh, she had been ill for a brief period of time. And uh, of course, many consorters are mourning her loss. She, uh, Diamond and Silk together were very, very entertaining, really during the 2016 presidential campaign, 2020, many conservative events, because they were just, you know, they were really kind of a good um, signal or message to people when they're trying to do uh, messaging and communicate with the people. Um, they, first of all, of course, are very helpful to the Republican side because they were black women who were really savvy. They understood the issues. They, When they spoke, they weren't just you know, kind of being gushing and silly. They got right down depth and substance, talked about the issues that matter. Talk about reality with Donald Trump and how his policies brought employment rates, um, just significantly improved the employment situation for people of color in America. So uh, just a, was it, they were a great contribution um, to the political conversation. I hope that Silk will let you continue doing that. They were just wonderful. Never had the pleasure of meeting them, but I have many friends who did and they're filling Facebook and uh, media with their pictures. So saddened about her loss, no word yet so far as I've seen about the cause of death. And obviously in this era, people wonder when someone who's otherwise a fairly young, healthy, uh, as far as everyone knew, um, passes away. And so on that note, and another uh, very, uh, and a bright note to counter that, um, you likely know that the uh, Buffalo Bills player, uh, Tamar Hamlin, who, uh, when we at our house, everyone was watching the game. Okay, we're a football family. We watch the games. So watch this game where the Buffalo Bills are playing and DeMar Hamlin, you know, did a tackle and gets back up and immediately just collapsed on the field and was given CPR. Very, very serious situation. Had to be uh, revived a second time when he got to the hospital. And so much speculation about the cause of his uh, cardiac arrest. And he was, they were, we were told it was cardiac arrest, uh, but just, uh, just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, he is now out of the hospital. Uh, and uh, after having suffered cardiac arrest and, and it just been a very dire situation, 
the American people, the country, the teams, uh, NFL teams praying. And just it's been a beautiful thing, actually, to kind of witness what people really turn to when things are dire. They do turn to prayer. Uh, the NFL had other games where players were kneeling on the field uh, just to pray for DeMar uh, Hamlin's health and uh, restoration to, um, you know, to be uh, his active, healthy self. So those, in both those instances, of course, whenever when you read about these unexpected deaths, um, you are unexpected, um, you know, in his case, or unexpected attack or loss of his uh, sudden dropping out, dropping down, you know, people get worried about the um, impact of the, uh, of, of the COVID vaccine. And, you know, this whole died suddenly thing, we did a little uh, segment on died suddenly, I don't know when it was, a few weeks ago. And I want to mention two other things along this line of, you know, the American people, because of the numbers they're aware of, because they see these stories and they are concerned, deeply concerned about what is occurring um, and whether the COVID vaccines, especially the boosters and people keep getting more boosters and more boosters, um, whether they have a detrimental impact on your health. The data seem to be overwhelming that there is a very serious problem uh, with the COVID vaccines and the impact on the heart. And so uh, first I want to commend uh, Dr. Peter McCullough shortly after Jamar Hamlin's collapse in the field that the entire nation saw, or if you weren't watching the game, you learned about it the same day. He wrote a piece about being very careful, uh, not knowing, uh, and he described, I'm not going to go into the details of what he described, Peter McCullough, but he basically said, you know, this can be the case with some athletes if the really hard hit to the chest hits at the right, uh, exact right time with the heartbeat, uh, the, the, where you are in your heartbeat rhythm, um, that this is a possibility of occurring. However, he also, Dr. McCullough pointed out that the impact and the harm done to the body by COVID vaccines and the boosters uh, can contribute greatly to the harm to the heart, uh, can contribute greatly to uh, the causing a heart attack. He put something out, and I want to share it with you, and we're going to be exploring this again probably on Thursday. Uh, we have On Thursday, we have Dr. Eric Napute joining us in studio for the full hour special Thursday show, um, and we'll be talking about this and other things. But I want to share with you some data uh, that Dr. McCullough produced in an article um, which was um, published in um, on his own uh I'm not sure where this was. Anyway, he was published uh, in several places. Oh, in his Substack, a Courageous Discourse. But he made he just did a statistical comparison. And I want to share these numbers with you. Over a period of two years, basically January 2021, excuse me, January 2021, 2021 till January 2023, where we are now, we in America have had 1,100 athletes die from cardiac arrest. 1,101 athletes died from cardiac arrest in the last two years. He then goes back historically to look, well, you know, what is the heart, the, the um, death from cardiac arrest among athletes in previous years? And he, um, <clears throat> he points out, and I think it's just profoundly important to get this data as a just quick point straight. So, and by the way, I'm sorry, it wasn't just in America. It was these athletes dying worldwide because we've all seen the pictures of soccer players falling dead, uh, just falling down the field and dying. So within the last two years, 1,101 athletes in two years died from cardiac arrest. In previous years, over a period of 38 years, from 1966 to 2004, so 38 years, that's how many years it took 
to have the same number of athletes die under due to heart conditions and, and cardiac arrest. So 11,001 athletes died over a 38 year period from 1966 to 2004 before the COVID vaccines came along. And that same number, it only took two years to have that same number of athletes pass on. Um, I'm in touch with Dr. McCullough. We'll probably have him on the show again uh, soon, but this um, story is out there and was being uh, tweeted out by Dr. Simone Gold and others, just making the point that you're not imagining it when you keep watching stories and seeing stories online and people, athletes especially, seem to be otherwise obviously in, in tip-top condition. They're among the healthiest people you know, in the world. They work out all the time. They're very strong, very healthy. We've had, in case you wondered if you were imagining it, we have had an inordinate number of athletes pass on uh, from cardiac arrest. Again, 1,100, basically 1,100 athletes in the past two years and previously 1,100 athletes, but that took 38 years to get to that total. So there's something going on which Dr. McCullough and Dr. Simone Gold and others are pointing out. Last quick thing in the first five, uh, one thing that came out from the Twitter files as we continue to find out all the information that has been withheld from the American people very directly by our own government, uh, by pharmaceutical companies, uh, by people who were able to arm twist, convince, whatever they did, bribe, arm twist, threaten, whatever they did, were able to keep key information out of the hands of the American people by controlling the social media companies. In this newest Twitter file, Pfizer board um, pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer board member, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, Pfizer board member, Dr. Scott Gottlieb was successful in communicating with Twitter and flagging tweets that questioned the COVID vaccine. He flagged tweets essentially, and this is a, a huge, huge almost admission by the, by the pharmaceutical companies that they knew there was some danger to uh, with the vaccines and they were just not going to let the American people or the people of the world, actually it's the citizens of the world because you know Twitter is international, not going to let them know about that. And so uh, the, among the details that he asked to be quashed, um, someone had a story out, um, which he was successful, this Dr. Scott Lee, this Pfizer board member, was successful in suppressing. And that was during the Trump administration, there was an official named Dr. Brett uh, Garrar, who had written on Twitter, it is now clear that COVID-19 natural immunity is superior to vaccine immunity by a lot. And he's just reporting data. He's just, this is a Trump doctor or the Trump administration, Dr. Brett Garrar, reporting that it's now clear COVID-19 natural immunity is superior to COVID vaccine immunity by a lot. That was a tweet uh, by a Trump administration doctor that was flagged by Gottlieb and he reached out to Twitter and said, you really can't have them saying these kind of things. In fact, um, he says, this is the kind of stuff that's corrosive. This is what that Gottlieb said in conveying to Twitter. You really ought to be taking this stuff down. Uh, he, he draws a sweeping conclusion after single, um, of a single perspective study in Israel. Um, and, and basically the point is he, the same doctor, got after Twitter or encouraging them to take down reports about the safety of vaccines for children, the need for vaccines for children, the safety of the COVID vaccine. And all of this, again, 
You know, I'm really thrilled that the Twitter files are letting American people see the truth about a lot of issues, about their own government, about what Twitter, whether Twitter was biased, as many conservatives knew it was, but it is a great thing for people to recognize what was withheld from them and then really to force yourself, ask yourself why. If you're Pfizer, if you're on the board of Pfizer, you really should be, now I know I sound maybe Pollyanna here, you should be concerned that what you're producing and selling to the American people, and in many ways, American people arm-twisted, threatened, coerced, shamed, belittled into accepting a vaccine they didn't want to take. And you know the data is bad. And now, obviously, everyone knows how bad the data was because finally Pfizer was being forced to release it. But your motive is still, this guy, it's not to let the people see the facts. It's not to let the people make their own adult judgment for their own health and their own life and their own body. The motive was to shut down anyone who dared challenge the pharmaceutical companies and the vaccines they were producing. This, my friends, has no place in America. And as we go forward trying to, I, 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 whatever the cause of death was for Diamond, of Diamond and Silk, I'm terribly sorry. I'm thrilled for the recovery of the Buffalo Bills player. Uh, so glad he's going to, he's out of the hospital. He's going to be rocking and rolling. Um, but I think most importantly, what the Americans need to take away from this episode is that we have to renew our commitment to ourselves, to our country, to the, our fellow Americans, that we're entitled to truth. We must fight censorship. And we must, in, this, in the case of where we have, may have crossed the line, government officials may have crossed the line to silencing free speech, actually look at not just holding hearings and scolding these people on national television in Senate and House hearings, but look to whether crimes were committed and should be prosecuted. What we're watching here, I'm going to get to this a little later in the next segment, what we're watching here is the mentality in Washington and among the ruling elite, these folks who are, you know, the biopharmaceutical companies are completely, uh, you know, they talk about regulatory capture. They're completely in bed with and working together with, working as one with the federal agencies who are actually supposed to be monitoring them, whose job, the federal agency's job is to protect the American people, not to protect the pharmaceuticals. But we watched over time and became obvious and aware to us during the COVID episode. Um, we were watching the uh, ability and the, and the determination of the pharmaceutical companies and the federal agencies to say, we're not going to let you American people know the truth. We're not going to share the truth with you. We're going to berate and even possibly prosecute the people who won't go along with exactly what we're saying. My friends, this kind of conduct must be not just prosecuted if possible, uh, but must also be um, part of the um, effort going forward to return America to a country where we honor free speech, we listen to free speech, we punish those who try to shut down free speech. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so this, the, uh, you know, rollout, or the, I don't know, the, um, what do you even call it, the after effects of the 20 or so Republicans 
in Washington and members of the U.S. House who would not let Kevin McCarthy get elected speaker until certain concessions were made. The benefits are flowing to America already. Big benefits. Benefits flowing to America over uh, the change of heart that um, and the change in attitude of the GOP in Washington. And I'm actually going to ask uh, Mr. Emilio, I'm gonna, uh, if you can go to clip two, actually, Mr. Emilio, uh, this is the actually a tweet by Kevin McCarthy. I, I just want to know Kevin McCarthy now is Speaker of the House um, after having made numerous concessions. I just want to point out what he's, this is, this is like, I, I, for, when you look at this, if you if you had followed Kevin McCarthy much in the past, you would have thought this was a spoof account because Kevin McCarthy would never really say this, but he actually put this out. Congress has been broken for a long time. Over the years, a concentration of power within the Speaker's office has kept lawmakers on the legislative sidelines. Lawmaking should be open to all members, not just a select few, so that the best ideas win. So the new rules he's describing Rules that empower members to debate, increase transparency, reopen Congress to we the people. He's praising that, which is just, I mean, I'm telling you, this is now maybe Kevin McCarthy, maybe he thought this all along, and uh, he's as thrilled as everybody else uh, that there's been this push for the uh, members of Congress to actually have a voice in Congress and not just be pushed around by leadership. But what he's saying here doesn't sound like the Kevin McCarthy I was aware of for years. Anyway, come back to me if you would. So that was Kevin McCarthy uh, in his tweet. And I want to point out that what uh, is one of the great things that's occurred right away, uh, and this, this we had the rules package adopted, which I was going to dive into that today, but I'm going to do it another day. But a, meaning that the Republicans came together and they got great things set out. And there's kind of the, the moving forward of, of Congress to address the issues the American people want them to address. And before I get into what they voted on, you know, people were talking about you know, this whole structure of Congress and how it got to where the speaker rules, and the speaker does still rule, to be really clear, but the, the rule changes helped. But, you know, when you think about when how Congress functions, you, you end up, you have to have, you have 100 members of the Senate, you know, two from every state, you have 435 members of the U.S. House, and so, and the U.S. House changes hands somewhat every two years because each of them have to be elected every two years. So you have to have some structure. I'm getting at the point, I could see how just kind of naturally and maybe even unintentionally over the years, as people got to Congress, you know, 435 people show up in Congress, they've all got constituents at home, they ran on some issues or platforms, and they get to Congress, you have to have a system. You have to have a system that says, well, which bills are we going to hear first? What are the ideas? How are we going to divide them up? We have to have committees based on, you know, subject matters. And so we're going to, not everyone can be in every committee. I mean, they had to have a logical structure. So the committee structure, logical. You have to have people willing to dive in and look at issues in depth. Of course, everyone in a committee, every Congress member has staffers who are also experts in various areas. And so you've, I mean, and, and they're asked to make major policy decisions. And so this kind of is natural and it's okay. And then to have to bring some order to the process, you have to have a rules committee, the all powerful rules committee, that's kind of saying, okay, we got all these committees sitting around Washington, but you know, who, what order do we do things? Which, which issues are going to be top, uh, you know, get the top of the list? Which committees get these bills? And then of those committees, who are they comprised of? I mean, you, I'm getting at the point you may have had, you know, at some point in history, a, a really logical basis for the structure of Congress, including having an all-powerful rules committee that has to kind of keep order. 
And then you had a speaker of the house, you know, the, the king of the house. What happened over time was that as the speaker gained more and more power and wanted to keep things, you know, um, seemingly controlled and make things look like Congress is functioning as a distinguished body and they're moving forward uh, with legislation, you know, the speaker became more and more powerful. And the speaker became someone who could isolate a certain member of Congress and say, you know what, you're off track, buddy. Um, and, you know, we, we can't be doing this. We can't be saying this because we have to be saying this. So the speaker became more and more powerful in directing traffic, telling members what they had to think, how they had to vote, what they're allowed to say. And the speaker role became really powerful when they decide who's on committees or who's not allowed to be on committees. So there was a, you know, I'm getting, a, I think, you know, Many people go to Congress and they truly, deeply believe in the ideas they ran on. I should only really speak of the conservative side because I don't work with anyone on the left, but they run races and they get to Congress and they believe in certain things. But then you get there and you know you got to have structure and you want to be on a committee and the speaker wants to get certain things done in orderly fashion. So you're told, well, get behind the speaker and, and do this or that for the speaker. And you want to keep the speaker happy because you want to be on the committees you want. And over time, it just evolved. The speaker's role grew and grew and grew and grew. And the power of the individual member of Congress to say, I really came here to stand up for, and then whatever it is, you know, election integrity, uh, border security, tax reform, uh, you know, welfare reform, whatever it is. And so I'm getting at the point, what happened uh, last week when the House majority would not just automatically elect Kevin uh, McCarthy speaker, but they made him go through numerous votes and make concessions. It was a return, a return of power and a very, very much needed adjustment. Return of power to the individual members of Congress, not so totally controlled by, um, by one speaker. And I thought that was important to say because I am, you know, I, I'm, I'm a grassroots kind of person. I love the grassroots. I love the involvement of the people um, in their government at the state level, at the local level, state, federal level, I, because that's what America really is. You know, America was founded on we the people, not we the elected representatives in Washington who are going to ignore the people. It's we the people, and we have to be involved. So back to what I want to say. So what happened in Congress? So the rules package passed good deal. Uh, their first vote was the House Republicans voted unanimously to repeal funding for the new 87,000 IRS agents. Now, I'm going to have, this is clip one, I believe, Emilio. You can quick play that, and then I'll tell you why it doesn't matter that much, but symbolically, it's great. The yeas are 221, and the nays are 210. The bill is passed. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Promises made. Okay, love that he added promises made. You know that saying, promises made, promises kept. It is a good thing. It is symbolically a good thing because the Republicans are saying we're not, we don't really want to have IRS funding 87,000 more agents. And you know, because the left weaponizes agencies in Washington, those IRS agents are not going to equally divide their time between supporters of the Biden regime and enemies of the regime. It's just not going to happen. It's going to be the way the left has weaponized so much of Washington against their political opponents. The reason it doesn't matter that much is that the money's already been spent. The, the um, omnibus bill passed, has been signed. The money's been spent to hire these agents, and there isn't authority in the House to tell IRS, we know we just sent you a bunch of money, but don't hire new agents. But it's still, so it's going to go forward in some form. But the message, 
the message to the Democrats, the message to Biden, the message to the IRS that Congress cannot wait to cut your funding is a really good thing. Plus, it is a message that that the McCarthy team, the Republican team in the U.S. House got the message. They actually truly are listening to the American people. Now, this IRS thing, you know, I talked about it at great length before, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on it today, but I do want to say it's really why it was so consequential is because the IRS, um, you know, if you know, if you've ever uh, been audited, or I, we have not, but I know people who have, and I know people who have, are, are accountants and lawyers helping people with audits, you know, the IRS can make your life miserable for a long time. And they can target anyone they want. And they and so you know, they obviously questioning or, or targeting the rich and doing audits on the rich really is just a playground, a playground for IRS agents who have an agenda to, you know, question every little write-off, every deduction, every characterization of an expenditure. I mean, you, you know, you could be a kindergarten level IRS agent and find some reason to uh, attack and criticize someone's tax return if you want to. So uh, it's so it's really concerned more, not more as a tax policy issue, but it's a, it's a tyranny issue. It's a, the IRS is a weapon, is possibly can be used as a weapon of tyranny against political opponents. And so when the enormous increase in IRS agents and spending was passed by the otherwise very tyrannical Biden administration, people got nervous and, and thought, my gosh, they're, they're coming after us. And so I, I love that they did that. The other thing Kevin McCarthy did do, uh, I'm going to hit uh, some more things about going on with what's going on with Kevin McCarthy, but he has announced he's removing certain Democrats from certain committees. Eric Swalwell Adam Schiff and Ilhan Omar are going to be removed from committees. In particular, um, they're going to be off Intel, which was Swalwell and Schiff, and Omar, which is Foreign Affairs. And the reason this is really good, I understand people are already saying, well, he's overreacting. If, if they remove our people from committees, uh, then they're when the Democrats have control, they're going to move Republicans. Okay, first of all, the Democrats already did that. You know, they already did that. They, they took Marjorie Taylor Greene off committees in her first term in Congress. Um, and second is, these are not isolated choices. The people he's saying he's going to remove. Swalwell had an affair with this famous Chinese spy for the Chinese government, CCP spy named Fang Fang. He actually had an affair with her. I mean, he shouldn't be anywhere near any, he should be like the dog catcher committee. I mean, the guy is dislikable for many reasons, but he's compromised. He allowed himself to be compromised by having an affair with a Chinese spy. Uh, and then, you know, Ilhan Omar has made many, many comments just extremely hateful of America um, and apparently committed serious immigration reform uh, violations, appears to have been married to her brother to get herself here legally or get her brother here legally. So she's a lawbreaker who wants to be um, on foreign affairs. And I don't think so. Um, and Eric Schiff, or as I call him, Schiffless, uh, you know, the guy was just a, uh, he was dishonest in many, many respects with respect to his treatment of Donald Trump, his characterizations of things that Trump did. Uh, he's just a walking uh, attack mob um, against everything conservative. And, um, and, and, you know, and more than one time caught in, in, in dishonesty. So the fact that he is removed, um, you know, yay for um, Kevin McCarthy. I actually, I think Kevin McCarthy, he's not going to go wild and start, you know, randomly choosing people and pull them off committees. I think he is going to um, 
be more um, more uh, specific, more circumspect, more uh, deliberate in the kinds of decisions he'll make regarding removing people from committees. Okay, we're going to quickly tell you, uh, before I want to, I'm going to keep talking about McCarthy, um, and I'm, but I want to say before I do, if you're listening on radio, you're going to go to a break at the bottom of the hour, 30 minutes past the hour. Please don't go away in your three-minute break. Uh, you know, come back after three minutes. We'll be right here talking. This is America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie George Addison. And you can come to our website later, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, and you can see every past show, past interview, blog post, everything we do is right there. Love have to have you do that. Um, and uh, for radio listeners, just don't go away. Okay, so what I want to expand, though, not just what McCarthy the, the concessions made for by Speaker McCarthy to get the speaker's gavel, and he is he is so far as I have seen in public news, he is not engaging in retaliation. In fact, he's having some of the uh, very moderate, you know, swampy type Republicans uh, stomping off and getting mad about things um, because they didn't want him to capitulate to the conservatives. But this is to me again, you know, the the labels are really unfortunate, conservative and liberal. What you're really seeing is a return of normalcy and the right balance of power in Congress where you don't have a dictatorial setup in the House. You have the people, the members um, contributing to the uh, to the entire decision of what bills are heard and, and really important key items. I went over them the other day, but key items uh, that are big agenda items for the American people that will actually have a chance to be heard. But what I want to turn to and talk about where we are, we're in the beginning, you know, 2023 and, uh, you know, many, many big issues um, facing America. And I want to just um, talk about those a little bit, because what you're seeing, what you saw out of the, that uh, group of 20, um, largely led by Andy Biggs, uh, Chip Roy, my congressman, Keith Self, um, they, they went ahead and got brave and they spoke up. And they fix things in Washington that really many people and members of Congress and citizens who pay attention had observed were occurring and were saying, why is it like this? Why, why, does it, why does it have to be this way? And it didn't have to be that way. But it took courage. And it took courage because, of course, you know, the left is pillorying them. The media is making fun of them. Uh, some of the more established Republicans were wringing their hands and whining about it. But it took the courage to speak up and say, these things aren't right. Well, that kind of courage they showed, and it is happening all over our country in legislatures. And I'm going to do a little bit more tomorrow, digging in and telling you something that's happening in Texas, um, in the gray state of Texas, which if you're wherever you are, you probably think, well, Texas is so conservative. It's supposed to be awesome. You know, Texas is red. And if we didn't have election fraud, Texas would be even more red. But, you know, we have in the state of Texas, we have, if you can believe this, a Republican majority House, a Republican majority Senate, and a standing practice that our, the leaders of both the Senate and the House, appoint a certain number of chairmanships to Democrats. So you have in a Republican majority state, when the majority of people are saying we want the Republican agenda, the Republican platform, we have committee chairs who are Democrat, and it gets much deeper than that, which because what happens is the bills that the leadership doesn't really want to get to the floor, they send the committees chaired by Democrats, and then they can blame, well, I sent it to the blah, blah, blah committee, and they just didn't get it out on time. They were working on it. 
And so it gives everybody an out not to get things done that need to be done. So there's a big push in Texas to say no more Democrat chairs, no Dem chairs. And that's a big, big push. I don't know if other states do this, uh, allow the minority party to chair committees, but it is, you know, I, I think in the past it had some kind of sense of, you know, Southern gentlemanliness and we're very genteel and we're not enemies. We're all working together. But this time in America, the, given the difference between the, um, at least the core Republican beliefs that, that, are, that are set forth in the platforms and that are believed by the vast majority of Republican voters, versus the radical left that has taken over the Democrat party in this country that is driving America over the cliff into the pits of Marxism, we don't need to have Democrat chairs. And, and people say, well, but when Democrats get the majority, then they won't let us be chairs. Darn right, we'll take it. So that push is happening. But another push I'm gonna get into tomorrow and talk about much more detail, but there's a push in Texas regarding election integrity, or as they are now wording it, they don't talk about election integrity. They've got a positive mantra and it's a big, big production happening in Austin, in our capital in Texas on January 24th. If you are a Texas listener, I urge you to see if you can go down to Austin on January 24th. I'm teasing the story to tell you more about it tomorrow. But what I'm getting at is there's activism that is so impressive, so organized, not just riding in the streets and waving flags and yelling stuff. Although, um, you know, marches are part of the American, you know, freedom, experiment in freedom and the whole notion of free speech and such. Um, but this is organized, logical, meaningful, um, you know, activism. And I'm so impressed by it. I'll tell you more about tomorrow. But what I want to say also, though, in this talk about we're in the beginning of 2023, America is still reeling from the um, the theft of the election in, in 2020 and, uh, and having the Biden cabal just running roughshod over so many aspects of America. There was a great piece that was written, and I'm talking about this from the perspective of activists can be really effective in moving the, you know, just writing the ship of America, getting America back on track on so many of these issues, because the things that have happened to America over the last, I don't know how many years to say, 10 or 20 years, these are not things, these changes we're all observing that occurred in America. These are not changes that the American people voted for, that they support, that they are excited and impressed and happy about. There are many changes happening in America that were really the, the power of those changes and the decisions were pulled away from the hands of the American people. This is part of the, this is the tail end of that idea we talk about many times, the long march through the institutions where the communists decided in America back in 1920, we can't take America down militarily, but we can essentially destroy the American people's belief in their own country. And this has been happening. And so many changes we're seeing, we're thinking, well, who wanted that? And the answer is the American people did not. We've been manipulated, torqued, uh, and twisted around by many, many forces of leftism that had absolutely nothing to do with what the American people voted for or wanted. But now that we're awake, now that we can see what the left has done, we can see the consequences, the impact, sorry, the impact of what the left has done, we can be activists to get on board and save this country. The first one is just the border. 
I don't think you could get 100 people in America to raise their hand and say, yes, I think it's great the Biden administration has abandoned the southern border. We're going to come back to the border in a little while on the show today. But that's just one example. No one wanted this. I mean, the radical left wants to abandon the border because they want to eventually abandon nation states and have the global World Economic Forum style government. The globalists want to abandon sovereign states and unique nation states. But the American people never agreed to this. And the border is dangerously overrun. It's really, really important to understand how severe the situation is at the border and to understand how absurd the Biden administration's reaction to it. Okay, did the, the American people never agreed. We never agreed to have the government be spending more than they have, spending more, getting us in deeper and deeper into debt. It's not just the deficit annually, it's the debt. And no one in America said, yes, let's do this. We had people go to Washington and battle over spending, spending and increase America's debt to the point that we are in a precarious situation precarious situation. Compound that with no one in America, no one is pushing the federal government to take over the currency of America and go to digital currency, especially once you understand what central bank digital currency will do to your freedom, which is it will end your freedom. No one in America voted for this. The Biden administration is gangbusters pushing this forward the uh, central bank digital currency, where all of a sudden where your money resides and when you have access to it, it's going to be controlled at the federal level. And these are, these are changes no one agreed to. Now, these are changes if you like the idea of tyranny and you like the idea of a strong, centralized, tyr tyrannical government controlling your life, those people who want that, they like these ideas, but the American people didn't. They must be fought. Who in America agree with the abandonment of the of fossil fuels? There are radical you know, climate alarmists who are just confused and crazed and trying to end the reliance on fossil fuels. But the American people didn't vote for this. They don't want this. They get leftists in power in Washington, at the EPA and all sorts of other places in charge of policy shaping public opinion. The same with coal. We did not, and the same with natural gas. We have natural gas being driven out of America as though it's an enemy, and it's not. There's nothing wrong with it. And we have clean coal burning plants in this country. We have fossil fuels that brought us out of the darkness into, and you know, and poverty into clean, available transportation, available transport food, and all sorts of other needed items. No one in America voted to take this away. No one in America voted uh, to have the laws changed where the uh, there is federal law that says you're not supposed to go and protest outside of Supreme Court justices' cases or any uh, homes or any federal court judges' homes because you, you, know, you don't get to protest there because you don't like their decisions. The law is still there and the protests still happen. And, and no one enforces it. And again, understand, it's the leftists. It's the radical, socialist, communist left in this country pushing their agendas. Nobody agreed that that law could be avoided or ignored, but it is being ignored. When do we agree the federal government gets to decide what truth is? 
We had this administration with the audacity, even after most of Americans, I hope most Americans have read the book 1984, they understand the Orwellian nature of having the government define truth, and yet we had the Biden administration first openly say, yeah, we're going to have a ministry of truth. It has some other name to it, disinformation, misinformation, blah, blah, blah. But it was the government saying, we're going to define truth. When did that ever do the American people ever agree that, con that Congress can do that, that federal agencies can do that? We never did. They're simply usurping power because we can't figure out a way to stop them. And if we don't stop them, and that particular one I, example I gave of just the Biden administration usurping the role of just the, taking away your freedom of speech and saying we have a ministry of truth, They'll decide what you can say. This is being played out, of course, by the, the social media companies, social media giants, listening to whatever they're told from the federal government and from the um, uh, and from the uh, other sources. I'm getting at, and I'm going to run through a few more of these. And by the way, to give full credit, I mentioned yesterday in the show I wanted to do this, but this is from a brilliant article written by the brilliant Victor Davis Hanson. It's called The Coup, C-O-U-P, Coup We Never Knew. He's making this point. All these changes are happening to our country, taking away your freedom, taking away your possibility of speaking in the way you would like, taking away your healthcare freedom, taking away all sorts of, of freedoms that we Americans were promised as, a, as a, an aspect of our founding, and no one voted for this. This is part of the Marxist takeover of America. When I tell you what we're watching in Washington is an actual Marxist takedown of this country, all of these are part of it. When did American people ever agree that the members of Congress could impeach a president over a phone call? Over a phone call, by the way, President Trump raising the reality of what occurred under the Biden administration and encouraging uh, Ukrainian president, you might want to look into this, which was a horrific thing that, the, that Biden did. I don't want to, I've played that tape so many times in the show, I'm not going to do it again. But that idea, you impeach a president over a phone call? I mean, this is, again, I know it makes me want to point, I always talk about the Marxist takeover of America. There are people who know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're orchestrating. They are orchestrating this. And there are thousands and perhaps millions of, to use Lenin's famous phrase, useful idiots who get themselves lathered up into hysteria because they are foolish because they don't think for themselves, because they've lost the capacity to think, because they don't realize they're being mesmerized, hypnotized, and led into idiocy. Some of those people in Washington on the Democrat side voted for this impeaching over a phone call because they get lathered up into stupidity. They are the useful idiots, so useful to the left, but there are plenty of people who understand what, this, what they were trying to set as a precedent is. Anyone who challenges the left in this country is going to be attacked. There, were, there was no justification for either of the attempts to impeach President Trump. And the left knows it. The people orchestrating the impeachments, they knew it. They knew there was nothing to it at all. But this is part of the beatdown of America. When do we ever agree that guys can play in girls' sports? No one agreed to that. Everyone who's, especially the women who would like to be victorious in their sports, um, they never voted on that. Why didn't they get a, a voice? Because I'm going to tell you, if you got to ask the women in sports, do you want to have a biological guy able to compete against you in swimming, tennis, or any other sport? Then, of course, they say no. 
because men and women are actually different. But we had this imposed on us, it's through a multi, multiple uh, sources imposed on us by the kind of ruling elite mentality out of many agencies in Washington, out of academia who are contorting America's minds until we have people actually staring in the camera saying, well, yeah, you know, this, this guy who is completely anatomically guy, he, he's a woman because he says he is. And that's what he, and we have to all stand behind him. I mean, we are in, we are in a phase of being mesmerized, hypnotized, just, just turned into lunatics by this endless, um, you know, I can't even think of the word, just endless hypnotizing of American people into accepting things we never would accept it. And I'm still telling you on the women's sports, if you could take a poll of the Americans, if they got to vote on it, no thanks on men and women's sports. And on the, the pandemic, I could do a bunch of other ones, but I want to make the point, we're at a place in America where we have lost, we are on the path to losing, we've already lost many fundamental freedoms. And it takes, you know, not to misquote Hillary Clinton, takes a village, but it takes the people rising up. So I tell you tomorrow about this great effort in Texas involving elections and changing in election law to get to the point of accountability and transparency. These kind of goals, everyone can do something like this. Uh, and it's really, really important to do. When, when do we ever agree? One last thing on this one, we ever agree. When do we ever agree that the United States military should be transformed from the best fighting force on this earth, best fighting force on this earth, and turned into, and turned into a military that is hyper focused on pronouns, gender transition, hypersensitivity. You know, my feelings are hurt. So, uber focused on race, ethnicity, and national origin. I mean, we have the military, our most precious young people willing to serve this country are being abused by the changes made to the military. And no one in this country, no one wanted that, except the tiny portion of Americans who fall into the radical left. So when you hear the spirit of people in Washington, like Chip Roy and others who stood up and said, we're not going to make we're not going to coronate Kevin McCarthy as speaker until he listens to us. Um, they were really standing up for this whole spirit of America that must be embraced by every single American citizen. Find your lane, find your fight, find your issue and get on board because otherwise the left is literally steamrolling over, bulldozing down, smothering all of what America is. They will win unless you speak up. And there are many people speaking up. I mean, God bless these moms at school boards and dads at school boards, running for school boards, speaking up at city council meetings. This rising up that you're watching in this country, this is the most exciting. This is as, as exciting and as consequential as the time of the Revolutionary War when people in America said, we are no longer going to live under King George's tyranny in this country. We're not going to live under King George's tyranny. We're going to reassert our God-given right to freedom. And that is the same spirit that you are hearing today in countless towns and cities and state houses and in Congress around this country. The reassertion of the spirit of freedom of America. Okay, I want to hit two other quick topics today. The Biden border photo op. I didn't even send this picture. I forgot to send it to um, Emilio. But I was just going to tell you, so Biden finally went to the border. 
Um, and I just, all I want to say about that is I'm going to tell you a couple quick stories about that. So Biden showed up at the border, uh, two years into his presidency, the border has been abandoned and everyone who's lives in Texas knows this because, uh, we live in Texas. So he, Biden went to the El Paso, uh, border area. Um, and it's really important to understand something. The city of El Paso who does have, they do have, I believe they have a Democrat uh, mayor who had previously been said said he'd been told by the Democrat Party to shut up and not complain about the fact that El Paso is overrun with illegal aliens, overrun by border crossers. But now Biden's going to show up. So literally, the city of El Paso had to bulldoze down migrant camps that are set up all over the city because they can't handle all the illegal aliens coming coming over the border with no right to be here. So, But Biden shows up, so El Paso cleans it all up, makes it look, and Biden does a photo op a photo op in front of Trump's wall, the wall that Trump built. So he does this photo op, yeah, I'm here being presidential. And I just want to tell you, I mean, I could rail about the border thing because I live in Texas and I, you see the consequences here. You see them in every state. But I want to just tell you two quick things about the border situation. So recently, we, uh, my husband and I were driving a dignitary around and he was telling us about having been in another city where he was picked up at the airport uh, to be trans to, to be um, you know transported where his event he had to do. So he's telling about the guy who picked him up was actually a federal uh, a, um, a federal agent and this federal agent was telling him a border guy he said, sorry I'm a little bit late. But I'm late because I had to drop off and we, we caught an enforcer today, a border, a, 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 a migrant enforcer, and I had to turn him over to the authorities to turn him in, to, to be arrested. So our friend, the dignitary, says, well, what was what's an enforcer? I want to just tell you this story because this is not just a story. This border issue is not just about the, uh, you know, the rising globalist movement, the desire to end borders, the desire for sovereignty. It is about human suffering. And I want to tell you this story. So this guy who's describing having just turned over this enforcer to the authorities, what an enforcer does. So they have these, uh, these human smugglers and they take these, you know, cartels, human smugglers, they bring families who want to come over to America. And so they have your know, mom, dad, you know, one boy, one girl, they bring them to the border and they're going to get them into America. And so it costs money. And so these families don't have any money. And so the, the, the uh, smugglers say, well, we'll get you in, we'll get you set up. But when you're set up, you know, you're, the dad's going to have a job. The mom's going to have a job. The, the teenage boy's going to have a job. This was the actual case that was being described to our friend. And the young girl, the very young girl, she was like six or seven. She's going to be, and she's going to be sex trafficked. So they get the family into America. The family owes these evil cartel human smugglers money. It takes them about seven years to earn enough money to pay for the, for the uh, smuggler who brought them over the border. In the meantime, the mom has to work, the dad's working, the boy works, and the girl, the young girl, is literally, a, she's a sex trafficking victim. That is how she's earning money for her family, not by her choice. No choice to it. So she is sex trafficked for years. Young girls who have, I mean, I can't even picture the mentality, the mental illness level of evil that you would want to even and think about engaging in sex with a child, but sadly, there appear to be many people who are. And so at the end of that all, end of that all, you, they make enough money and then they pay off the cartel, the smugglers, and then they're free. 
In the meantime, while they're here, if any of those four people in the family say, you know what, I, I, they see a chance to escape, to run away, to, to get away from, because they're being watched all the time. All these families brought here like that, being watched all the time. So they're told when they get here, if one of you runs away, if you try to get away, we will kill the rest of your family. And that's what this enforcer guy who was being transported to, to authorities, that was his job. To go around and kill these migrant families because one member got away and escaped. And I'm going to, I'm telling you that story and there are so many other stories, but I wanted to lay that out to say, when you hear these stories about the border, it's not just the drugs. The, the second story about the border, which I have to clip really short because I'm almost out of time today, uh, involved a mom here in Texas who was just posting the story about her son who was 24 years old. He got a little sideways, I guess, in high school, got into drugs, you know, and but he went through a big, you know, a challenge in his life. He got free of drugs. He got back on track. Free, gotten free of drugs and was tempted one night by one person to say, you know, to take a pill. And whatever he was told it was, I don't know, something obviously to make him high. He took one pill. It happened to be fentanyl. And he was dead in an hour. This is her precious son. She's describing all the years she worked with him and helped him to get through drugs. Those kind of stories, these belong at the feet. They belong hung around the neck of the Biden administration. Their decision to abandon the southern border, which is what they're doing despite their protestations, they're abandoning the southern border. And I have a big story to tell you tomorrow about a tunnel under the border, which I'll tell you about tomorrow, a tunnel under the border that was discovered and reported upon uh, by Christy Hutcherson of Women Fighting for America. I'm going to reach out to her, get her on at some point, sometime soon. Tunnels under the border, big enough to transport in nuclear weapons, all sorts of dangerous I mean, the border situation is a death threat to every American. And the Biden administration, two years in, finally shows up. Joe Biden shows up. And he also praised Vice President Harris a couple of days ago at some idiotic uh, you know, press opportunity. What a great job she did at the border. I mean, these people are destroying our country. And this is why what I'm describing. If you think I'm sounding passionate, yes, I am. I am really passionate. I am outraged by what we're putting up with as alleged leaders of America. And every American needs to be on board, finding your niche, finding your place to fight and get in the fight because the Biden team, including their abandonment of the border, is responsible for the stories I just told you. It is their fault. It is. And they don't care. Understand that they don't care. Okay, one last quick story. And where am I in time? I'm getting almost out of time. Uh, again, for our uh, radio listeners, you're going to zip off, I think, three minutes for the top of the hour. So do... Um, Go check out our website, americaacademytalk.org. Uh, you can hear the rest of the show, whatever you miss at the end. Um, and then I'm just going to uh, do one last quick story about the Biden, uh, the Biden um, documents were uncovered. Um, documents that Biden had as vice president um, and um, were classified. Uh, you know, classified documents were uncovered um, as they were cleaning out this. And it, it wasn't, I know it said Penn Biden Center, but it was not at University of Pennsylvania. It may have been associated with his work there. But this is right in Washington, D.C., the Penn, like P-N-N. White House until he 
uh, now is back in, and um, at, they found classified documents at his um, at his home at, at his business place, um, and not not properly secured, not where they're supposed to be, and they were classified. And I'm only raising a story to say this. I do not ascribe some nefarious purpose necessarily to why Biden had those. I don't know. But I do want you, I, I'm raising the story to make the point that I want you to again recognize how thoroughly, thoroughly the American people were played by the FBI, by the Department of Justice, and by America's media because of all the hoopla hysteria they created over documents at Mar-a-Lago, which actually as president, Trump did have the authority to declassify because that's he's the highest authority when he's president in the country. He had the authority, he had documents there, and he was cooperating with the archives people and with the DOJ, letting them see what he had and sorting out what needed to be returned. He was cooperating. And yet the FBI and the left in this country, the media saw an opportunity to pounce on President Trump to pounce on him, to make all these headlines, hysterical headlines about how, you know, he may have some terrible motive and who knows what he's, you know, and this is, I mean, just, just working the ignorant masses, working the useful idiots in this country into hysteria over again, yet another outrageous violation by President Trump because he had documents at his private residence, which were secured, he was cooperating with the uh, archives people and the DOJ and the, and the whatever had to be returned. And yet they saw an opportunity to vilify him. They jumped on it. And I'm not seeing much about this Biden story. In fact, the documents, the story goes, the documents were uncovered before the November elections. But somehow the documents were discovered, turned over to the archives people and apparently to the DOJ and somehow, no headlines, no stories, no raid on Biden, no nothing. Again, I raise it not to say I, I don't have any reason to think Biden had something, you know, deeply, I mean, he may have, who knows, deeply nefarious. But I am saying you have to use this as an object lesson, as a training lesson, as a class and understanding how the media, the FBI, and the DOJ manipulate America, manipulate the American people the ignorant people into unjustified lunatic level hysteria when Trump had documents at Mar-a-Lago, which he was he could have declassified, which he was happy to return. This is what I'm telling you, you get played all the time by the media. We, the American people, get played. We need to be smarter and smarter. We see headlines coming out, drumming up the next hysteria against conservatives and recognize the motives the left always has to attack Trump, Trump supporters, conservatives, and they attack, you know, they don't leave just Trump alone. I mean, it's not just Trump, it's any conservatives who rise up and speak up. They are attacked, and those of us actually who love the country, love freedom, love the founding ideas, love freedom, need to recognize we cannot get led around and played and twisted by the media in this country so determined to make us hate America, hate conservatives, hate Republicans, hate the country, we can be, we can rise above it and just ignore what they do when they try to create this hysteria. And in fact, not just ignore it, but expose it and ridicule it because it has no place. They're not, they're not committing, they're not conducting journalism. 
They're not trying to inform the American people. They're trying to manipulate and mesmerize the American people. And we are smarter than they are. And we can stop them from doing that to us. I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today, <clears throat> excuse me, um, talking about uh, Diamond uh, of Diamond Silk Mourn, Damaro's Healing. Diamond of Diamond Silk is dead at age 51. Inspiring voice of a black woman who saw Trump differently than the left-wing portrayal. Diamond and Silk podcast, very popular, counterculture spark of conservative values. Damar Hamlin released from the hospital to continue recovery at home. Buffalo Bills safety suffered cardiac arrest and collapse in the field at Monday Night Football on January 2nd. No pulse on the field. Restored by CPR from the Bills training staff. Prompted a global call for prayer and support. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hamlin recovery, truly remarkable, inspiring, and even unifying around the power of prayer and faith. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Enormous elephant in the room with Diamond and Damar. Do COVID vaccines have anything to do with Diamond's death and Damar's cardiac arrest? Gottlieb Twitter censorship will not put down the elephant in the room. 2023 is a year of expanding truth about COVID and vaccines. It must be that year. A McCarthy deal stirring up D.C., new GOP majority and speakership taking action. Vote to defund um, 87,000 IRS agents is merely symbolic. Money is already appropriated by previous Congress, but will resonate with most Americans and may pressure Biden to respond. Removing Schiff, Swalwell, and Omar from committee assignments was long overdue, but still took more fortitude, more fortitude than recent GOP leaders seemed capable of. Way too early to judge whether the GOP House is capable of standing up the massive change of course needed to truly save America. I do urge you to read Victor Davis Hanson's piece, 10 Steps to Save America. And I was reading today from his, The Coup We Didn't See. Um, Ten, but read Victor Davis Hanson, 10 Steps to Save America, good start. The holdup of the speaker coronation was not foolish or impotent. It was a solid portion of the people's reps insisting on a transparent and trustworthy legislature. Congrats to all 20. On the Biden border photo op, Biden border visit was truly duplicitous, even enraging. A photo op facade. El Paso Street swept clear of migrant encampments prior to the Biden visit. A true Potemkin village in America in 2023. Data on border crossers, gotaways are staggeringly high, but the Biden administration is changing nothing. Large enough to transport dirty bombs. Um, excuse me, border, uh, Biden visit roughly coincident with the discovery of a huge cross-border smuggling tunnel. I'll talk about it more tomorrow. Large enough to transport dirty bombs and nuclear weapons. Rampant cartel finance human trafficking continues unabated. Enforcers inside the USA carry out executions as needed to continue trafficking and, thre and threaten the people who uh, entered America. Willful neglect of border security is impeachable. Constitution guarantees federal government action to protect states from invasion. The GOP House is the GOP House ready to act against Mayorkas and Biden. And Biden VP classified and unsecured documents found. Classified doc documents from the vice presidential term found at the D.C. office of the Penn Biden Center. Discovered prior to midterms, but oddly, news held out until yesterday. If Trump Mar-a-Lago raid is the legal standard for policing classified documents, Biden's facts are dramatically more culpable than Trump. 
Biden as VP had no authority to declassify documents or to keep them in unsecured personal offices. Entire USA was whipped into a weeks-long frenzy over Trump's handling of similar documents. So if zero was done in relation to the Biden incident, the double standards of justice may stun even the most asleep of Americans. Entire episode from Trump Mar-a-Lago to discovery of Biden's VP documents reeks of inauthenticity. In inauthenticity feels like maneuvering and narrative engineering. Who is behind this? And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do America Can We Talk to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Talk. Truth about America. Can you hear?